I'm never going to apologize for winning. Breaks a tackle. Now oh. another. He's oh. inside the five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. He is sacked. Down he goes. Tyler Hoover breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Spartan Red Zone with your hosts, Dan Tyler and Andre Sims. All right, what's going on, East Lansing? You're listening to another episode of Spartan Red Zone. As always, with your host, Dan Tyler, to the left of me, got my fellow host, Andre Sims. What's going on, Andre? Nothing much. Just trying to get through this Monday, man. Another tiring Monday, so just got to push through, I guess. Yeah, I feel you, man. And especially for you guys, you guys had a pretty long weekend. Uh, you know, obviously with a night game, you guys aren't getting out of there till late. But you know, things are always good when you come out with a W, and that's what you guys did. Nebraska coming into town five and zero, getting some getting some hype when they got the ball rolling. You know, a Heisman contender at running back with Amir Abdullah, and you know, you guys came out with a win, 27-22, and that makes it seem a lot closer than it really is, though, because you guys came out and just kind of smacked them in the mouth pretty early there in the first half. So um, what was the, what was the kind of game plan going into that game with in terms of the offense? I feel like this game was a little different from any other game we played so far. Of course, it's the first Big Ten game, but it was so much enthusiasm this whole week of practice, um, meetings, practice, uh, even on Friday when we when we were walk through, um, it was just so much enthusiasm, and Coach D wanted it like that. Like uh, we had a we had a walk through in the weave, the practice facility, and uh, we call out the special teams, and the people go out there, and we simulate the game or whatever, and we were just hype on the sideline. It, it was just a walk through, everybody jumping around, Coach D loving it. They got music playing. It was just the environment was just so was so up there, and um, I feel like that carried us offense and defense into to the game. But offense, we had. Uh, we had the mindset that each and every time we got the ball, we had to do something with it. We had to put points on the board um, to help our defense out because we knew um, Abdullah was going to come here and, and um, you know, move their offense. And um, we had confidence in our defense. We had confidence in our defense that they was going to get the job done, which they did. I don't know how many rushing yards he had, but um, they it looked like it looked it looked like they held it down. Uh, physically imposed will um, on them, and it was just the all-out physical game on both sides of the ball. And, and absolutely, you know, they did impose their will throughout the whole game. Um, you know, that 22 points for them is a little bit deceiving even, although it's not too much to give up because they were dominant all game. Um, you know, Amir Abdullah finished with 45 yards rushing, and he was the leading rusher heading into the week, so... He had 24 rushes, 45 yards. For you math majors out there, that's 1.9 yards per carry. Uh, not good numbers by any stretch, let alone for a Heisman, a Heisman contending running back. And the crazy thing is, he was he was dominating teams so much through the first five games of the season. He still is the leading rusher in the nation after putting up 45 yards against you guys. Yeah, that's so what I heard. That shows how much of a just how much of a lead he had on the rest of the nation in terms of rushing yards. Um, he did have two touchdowns on the game. But those were a couple, you know, turnover led to some easy field possession for them, and and he just kind of punched it in from a couple yards out. 
Uh, I think he had he had one one yard touchdown and another two yard touchdown. So his longest run of the game was nine yards. They really went out and literally just shut the door on him. Um, and in terms of passing defense, things got a little sloppier in the second half. Um, but through the first half, though, they were phenomenal. Armstrong only had 79, 79 yards passing, I believe, with an interception. Uh, finished with two picks on the day, no touchdowns. So pretty, uh, pretty good job overall by the defense. You know, they went out, did what they had to do. And you guys, the offense, you know, you, you came out firing on all cylinders, really, through the first three quarters. Um, the first three quarters were, out would, would grade you guys at A through there. Uh, you know, the run game was doing well. Passing game didn't quite have the efficiency we've seen in previous weeks, but when the receivers would get open, Cook would find them and find them for big yards. Uh, so that was good as well. I think just minus a couple... Unfortunate circumstances in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I can go ahead and say it since I'm just, uh, I guess you could say analyst and not a player. Some pretty poor officiating, I thought. Um, you know, your boy Trey Waynes got called for a couple of really bad pass interference calls. One of them, which was in the end zone and led to an easy Abdullah touchdown, which was on a third down as well. Um, but, you know, things like that, punt return for a touchdown and... You know, a couple big plays by them. All of a sudden, they got back into it and made it a tight game at the end. So, speaking of that, being on the sidelines there, being being there on the field, what was the mindset of you guys, of you guys' team, when they were mounting that comeback and things started to kind of slow down for the offense and, and they were everything just kind of was bouncing their way, so to say. So, what what was going on in your guys' head? Uh, well, Coach D always talks about in a game there there are going to be ups and downs. There's going to be a switch in momentum. There's going to be challenges, adversity. And uh, the true testament of a team is how you bounce back from that. How uh, how do you react when a big play happens and it's not for us, it's not in, in, uh, in our favor? How do you um, go back out there and uh, play your best when things seem to be going downhill? Um, and we just... We just tried to stay positive on the sideline, keep the intensity up as much as we could. Um, it just it just seemed like we were kind of like trying to protect the lead instead of going for you know just being aggressive with it. And um, I don't we don't blame anybody for that, but at the same time uh, we need to continue to dominate our opponent. And when you know we're up, we still need to you know keep the keep the uh, foot on the gas pedal. And keep pushing, and I just feel like that's probably the one thing that we need to work on coming out in the second half and getting keep the ball rolling and uh, keep that intensity high. But um, the sideline was always hyped the whole game, um, jumping up and down, uh, yelling, screaming, uh, motiv- motivating the players that were on the field, um, and that's how it's always always is. And uh, if it's not like that, the coaches will jump on somebody not being hyped. So yeah, I I feel like the sideline is uh always hyping it'll, you know, always be that deciding factor, I guess. And speaking of, you know, getting hype and cheering on the players and, and that kind of uh just that environment to help to help to push the guys on the field, the student section was pretty disappointing this week. Um you know, understand it's a 
kind of bad weather, especially we're coming off of some great weather a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, this week was kind of cold, rainy. It was a night game. You know, I understand students are going to be tailgating, and when you're tailgating for a while, sometimes it's hard to be standing out there. But, you know, when you look out and it's the third quarter of what could potentially be a preview of the Big Ten championship game, you know, at the very least a top 20 matchup in the Big Ten opener for a team like yours that is trying to compete for a playoff spot in the first ever playoffs, to see about a third of the student section full is embarrassing. I, I mean, for for me as a fan, it's embarrassing to see that because, you know, you look at the top 10, the top 15, and some of these teams that are trying to compete for playoff spots, their, their seats are packed game in, game out. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's cold or whatever it may be. You know, their fans are there. And to see our fans, I don't know if they got comfortable at halftime with a 17 nothing lead or they were just starting to fade because they got too drunk earlier in the day or whatever it may be. Um, I don't know what it was, it, but it was pretty disappointing for me to see it. So I'm wondering what, what was your opinion and some of the other players' opinions looking up and seeing so many empty seats there in the student section? Uh, I to tell you the truth, we really don't really pay attention to that. I I know the noise, you know, that's a factor that helps us in the, in the end. But at the same time, we're more focused on playing the game. I I think this is actually the first time me hearing about it. Coach D actually uh says something about it. And, uh, Mark Hollis says something about it. But I didn't know anything about um any of the student section. It's always like that when we sing the fight song. It just seems like you know everybody kind of migrates down to to the to where the little rail is and we all sing a fight song. But to tell you the truth, none of us really none of us really paid attention to the to how many uh students were in the student section. It might it might sound crazy, you know what I'm saying? We have other things going on. I mean, obviously other things going on, <laughs> trying to win the game and whatever, but I d I didn't really focus or pay attention to that. And I mean as far as um if I had to say something, I mean I would hope I would hope the student section would stay a little longer, you know what I'm saying? Just maybe a couple of seconds after the game, and then you could leave. You know what I'm saying? Just await it through. You know, we uh we plan for y'all. We plan for Spartan Nation. We plan for everybody that wears the green and white. So uh, we just we just hope that everybody would just stay in and kind of ride it out with us until the end. You know? Exactly. You know, and um, you got Brad Allen just sneaking in here. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, so what 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 did you think? You were up there in the press box with me, and we obviously had a lot less going on than Andre. Um, yeah, so we, we were have able a clear view. It. You guys are on the sidelines. You're field level. You're watching, you know, what's going on on the field. We're way up there, and it's very easy to tell the student section just slowly diminishing as the game goes on. And so many people talking about it. I actually rushed over here specifically to give my opinion because – you know, I have uh, I, the more I thought about it since Saturday, I think it's ridiculous. Um, to you'll hear any million amounts of excuses from the students that did leave, anything from oh the calves were gonna close to oh it was a blowout in the fourth quarter to oh the weather was bad or it takes so long to get in. It's the system's fault. I think you, when you break it down, it's just they didn't care about the football game. Um, if they did, they would have been there. As a Michigan State fan growing up, I remember going to games 
you know, in 2004 when they would finish 5-7, and seven, and that was a, a pretty good year for them in the John L. Smith era. Yeah, dark the, days. <laughs> the stadium was always full. The student section was always full, and it was always loud. I'm not sure, you know, give credit to the fans that did stay to the bitter end, but, you know, whatever happened at the end of that game, you know, when when the team needed their fans, they didn't have them there. The game might as well have been in Lincoln, Nebraska at that point, but, you know, luckily for for Michigan State, the team was able to get it done on the field without, you know, the big uh, the big uh, cheers from the crowd and all that. I'm sure they were still making some noise, but definitely noticeable in the press box and on TV that most of the students were gone. Did they actually mention that on TV? Do y'all know? I think they did. I think I'm uh, sure they would yeah. have, because um, it was it was obvious, you know, like like Brad said, you guys are field level, so. You know, you're looking up, and you can probably see, you know, the first 30 rows easily or something like that, which were full. But then, you know, we got a bird's eye view from it, as does TV and stuff, and you just saw so many empty bleachers. And it looked like, you know, you guys were putting it on Eastern Michigan all over again. Wow. Except it's a Big Ten opener, and it's a night game, and it got close at the end. Um, You know, in, in... Mark Hollis was he was tweeting some stuff late last night saying they're going to work on changing things to help students feel like more able or more willing to stay at games. I'm not really sure what you can do though. Um maybe I'm just looking at from looking at it from the wrong standpoint. But when I see people leave, I assume that they either got really drunk and were fading towards halftime. Because, you know, you got to wait and get in line. It starts to wear off and you get tired. It's just science. Or they want to go and get drunk. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, hating, on, I'm not hating on people for it. I completely understand that that um, idea. Um, you know, I've tailgated before. I've gone to football games as a fan and not, not as um, an analyst or whatever you want to call it. But So I get that. But there's oh, yeah, nothing I've really done, you can do. I've done do. it too. I've gone to football games intoxicated myself fall fell asleep in the stands but by the time the game was over i was awake and i was singing the fight song at the end of the game i didn't leave early so i understand that whole you know party culture but it almost seems like the football game is secondary to tailgating and to partying afterwards where it used to be just about the football game yeah and and that's why you know i'm not really sure there's anything that mark hollis can do um and i think something maybe he could change for he couldn't change now but maybe for next season is not have first come first serve seating um a story i always tell people when talking about it because i i'm really hate the first come first serve idea of it um the, the story i always tell back when i was running track here a couple years ago we had gotten in trouble for some reason i don't know the coach is mad at us so 7.30 7.30 a.m. practice Saturday morning. Uh, brutal. Don't miss those. But um, 7 a.m., you know, I'm, I'm getting ready, walking walking to the track, thinking, what in the world am I doing up this early on a Saturday? And I'm not tailgating, you know. Um, and it's, you know, early game. We're playing Eastern Michigan or somebody. Really crappy weather, rainy, kind of cold. And I look at the stadium, and there's, you know, 100-plus kids waiting in line for a noon game in the cold rain against Eastern Michigan. And I'm just thinking, you know, 
people are probably like just starting to wake up to tailgate if they're hardcore like tailgaters, you know, and they're not even thinking about going to the game till at least like 1030. And at that point, if there's already like 100 plus kids lined up, how many more kids are going to be there in the three and a half, four hours until they make it there? And then, you know, you're stuck in the upper deck or something because you wanted to drink a little bit before the game. And then you're like, you know what? This sucks. We'll get a much better view on TV. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you had specific seating, and for another example, when I was at Michigan my freshman year, I had football tickets and they had specific seats. So my friends and I would stay out as long as we wanted tailgating because we knew we're in row 80, whatever. You know, we're freshmen. It was far back. Kind of sucked, but we can go to the game at halftime. We're going to get that seat. We can go to the game at 7 a.m. before a noon game. We're getting that seat no matter what. So I think that would make people more willing to. Yeah, that would... sounds a lot better than actually getting yeah getting there first and then getting the good seats. Cause, well, yeah, if you really think about it, people are not going to want to come if they're sitting all the way up in the deck, you know, by choice. You know what I'm saying? Like if you had a ticket and, you know what I'm saying, and it was like organized, then it would be a lot better for folks because then they can come like, when they won't, like you said, I think that'd be a lot better. Yeah, and I I think they used to have, I've never had student season tickets before, so I wouldn't know, but like different sections or how they do it, but whatever they are doing, it seems like it's taking the students that do come to the games a long time to get into the game. I think Wyoming, Eastern Michigan, the game was just about starting and the student section was not filled. All the other seats in the stadium were, and you could see toward the end of the first quarter, that's when everyone's finally filed into the game yeah and that's you know maybe they need to have a little bit like wider of a range of a student section possibly because um you know the other fans they can go to a different amount of gates but if you're a student i'm not sure how many gates there are but there's probably like two or three gates so the however many thousand student tickets there are you have all those thousands of kids in the same you know couple hour time span trying to file single file into you know a couple gates when everybody else has like 20 something more so it's gonna be there's gonna be long lines nobody likes lines i don't know i think they could switch it up for the better i'm not sure how exactly they could help it this year i think all that needs to be done is students gotta stay yeah Yeah, bottom line the student section was full there were fifteen thousand students in that corner uh, corner. Do they still call it the Corner Blitz? Probably not. They used to be. I don't even name. know what the name of it is. It used to be called Corner know. Blitz. They should call it Corner Retreat now, because they were in the stadium. They got in there. Whatever problems with the system, doesn't matter. You're in. You're in there, and the top ten, you know, football team that just won the Rose Bowl in the Big Ten Championship is playing its Big Ten opener on national television, and they left. I don't think you can blame it on anything other than the students that didn't care about the game. If you yeah, if you're really thinking about it, uh, all the big all the big schools around the country are known for their student sections and how loud it gets in the stadium. And these these dominant teams, USC, Florida, Alabama, uh, Georgia, LSU, um, Texas, all these schools have have uh, a huge fan base, and the student section is just crazy. And that actually, believe it or not, helps with recruiting. Like if a if a recruit comes up here and he say he sees the student section is going crazy, a lot of people up there, fans supporting, the stadium is packed. That's 
the type of environment uh, uh, a high school athlete wants to be a part of, and that really helps the school uh, recruiting-wise and nationally, you know, because they do rank schools um, as far as, like, attendance in stadiums and uh, student section and stuff like that. that mm-hmm. I found out uh, that a couple years ago, but uh, it was definitely a reason why I came up here because when I came on my official, uh, we played the Notre Dame. We played Notre Dame, and that's when uh, – that's when um, – the Little Giants game? I think, yep, that was, oh, that, nice. that was a Little Giants game. And I committed right after that because it was so crazy in there. And it's it just the stadium was packed. Fans was going crazy, too. The student section was, was going crazy. It was just the environment just made me want to come here. And that's that's another big reason why, you know, the student section should, you know, be filled each and every game. And we should, you know, st- y'all should stay. It's it's a lot it's a lot better when that when that happens, obviously. But it's, just sure. a, it's a lot of things that go into that. Now that I think about it, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually uh, on a visit at that game as well. Uh, you know, track recruit probably less good seats, but <laughs> I was also there. It was a hype game too, man. It was one of I've been going to Michigan State football games since I was four years old, and I was definitely one of the best ones I can remember. But you committed to Michigan after that game. How'd that work? Well, like uh, I said, <laughs> track recruit. Uh, you know, I um. I had like seats on like the thirty some yard line to the to the Michigan State games, but at the Michigan games I was like front row. But that didn't have everything to do with it. That's yeah. a whole long story. You made the right choice by coming back. I we came back. That. You know, I came back. But going really quickly, one more thing back to you know, students leaving and stuff. And again, maybe I'm I'm just looking at it the wrong way. But you know, I'm not condoning anything. I'm not overtly going out here and telling people to do something. They don't pat you down when you go into the games. I've gone into the game as a student. <laughs> you know, they I know don't. Where this is going? I'm saying you got wear long socks and pants. Who who knows what could be there? You got wear some compression shorts. They're <laughs> not going to pat you there. There's easy ways to remedy your feelings of getting tired at halftime or being like, man, I wish I could wet my whistle. Right now, I'm a little thirsty. <laughs> You're not condoning this, are you? I'm not condoning it. I'm just just saying facts. Okay. And you know, I was watching an Oregon game. I guess I'm going out a little bit more, uh, being a little more obvious about it. But I was watching the Oregon Arizona game. There was like four different clips I saw. It's just a kid holding the flask in the student section. They do it at Oregon. They got a winning <laughs> program there. They got a loud stadium. You can attest to that. You guys yeah. played in Austin. Not condoning, not condoning anything, but you know, it, be creative, or just go learn how to withstand going four hours without wetting your whistle. You can do it before the game, or just wait till after the game. Wait till after the game, even better, because then you can celebrate the victory. You know, by going out and and to to what Dan was saying, I will say that uh, Kelly Short Stadium in Mount Pleasant definitely does not pat you down, and uh, <laughs> they like to have a good time there in the MAC. And uh, I'm pretty sure they stay the whole game, you know, comparing other football programs. And one of the things, uh, Saturday was a big day for college football, a lot of big games, a lot of upsets. Um, Michigan State did not look good on TV with their student section leaving like that. And it has nothing to do with the team and how they played and has nothing to do with the program. It just has to do with, you know, I don't know if I feel like the old man ranting, but like this generation of kids who are always on their iPhones and (laughs) always, you know, they they didn't care about the game. They had other things on their mind, which is understandable, but 
how does Mark Hollis get people to buy tickets that want to see the game? And, and you know, we'll see uh, next home game Michigan comes into town, and I hope that shouldn't be a problem again. And, you know, Michigan's obviously a little down, but everybody loves the little sister coming into town. This has got it two straight years as well, so students should consider themselves lucky. they got two straight years of, of – of that team coming in here and you know, hopefully a, a similar result from last season. And it's looking like there's no reason why it shouldn't be, if not worse. But that, again, is another another topic for another day. Come see Brady Hoke's last career game as a head head college football coach in East Lansing, I should I'm, say. I'm, I'm going to stay out of that conversation. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> Don't worry. We know, we know when you – can't be saying things and and it's our job to just go out there and throw it out there um but yeah that very well that let's be real i think that it's safe to say brady hoke will not return to east lansing as a michigan football coach after this year's game no because that's saying he'll have two more years after yeah. this year and i yeah if i was a michigan fan i wouldn't want him to have two more games this year but again another topic for another day uh moving back to business though which is football, you know, not the not the students being there or whatever, but no matter what happened with that, the football team got the job done. Uh, like like we mentioned before, a little bit sketchy at the end, but what was what was your guys' take after the game, you know, just take on the game and, and your guys' stance as a team because as Brad and I were at the, the post-game press conference when some of the players were coming in and giving their thoughts. You didn't look happy. They looked unhappy, and especially Connor Cook. Um, he he was the first person to say he didn't have a good game. Although you know, passing for was it two hundred thirty four yards, not bad. Uh, a touchdown interception, which was kind of like a tip, but you know he he wasn't happy with his his eleven of twenty nine passing, and you know other guys just weren't happy with letting Nebraska back in the game and and think they could have done some things better. So what what was kind of the environment like in, in, in the locker room after that win? I feel like <clears throat> people were upset. Everybody was upset. And if it would have went the other way, we would have been hot. It would have been We would have been heated because physically the whole game, we dominated. We did what we had to do. We were clicking on all cylinders to begin with. And really that's just the focus. We need to, we need to work on finishing the game. We always talking about finishing strong and finishing the drill. Well, these Oregon is a test uh, testament to that, and this game. Even though we won this game, we still didn't finish the way we wanted to. Um, we talk about <clears throat> until the whistle blows, until the the clock strikes zero. We need to keep uh, uh, forcing and driving and uh, imposing our will on all these other teams because it's obvious that in the beginning, when we're all clicking, I'm talking about uh, special teams offense and defense, when we're all clicking on the same cylinder, it's hard for us to be stopped. Can't nobody stop us. Y'all see that. It's we're, It just looks good. You know, the team looks good. I just, I, I think, <clears throat> and me being a player, I know for a fact that it's easy to get complacent when you're up 27-0 to or how whatever the score was at halftime, I don't remember. But when you're up that much, it's easy to kind of like let go off the gas pedal a little bit. And what the coaches are telling us after this game is to be an elite team, to be one of those, the, one of the four that go to the 
national championship or the playoff, we have to be able to keep our foot on the gas pedal until the clock strikes zero. We can't let up. We can't be like, oh, this team, you know, they're they're done. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to fight no more. Well, as you can see, it's easy to come back. You know, they racking up points on us and offense wasn't moving the ball. The defense was out there when they should have been on the sideline and the offense should have been controlling the clock a little bit better. But we just need to, we need to get our minds set on having that, that, that kill them and at the end of the game mentality, like crush their hopes, crush everything, just keep the foot on the gas pedal and, you know, keep your cleat on their on their neck as coach uh coach Manny would say he's he's real you know he's real aggressive aggressive with his words but yeah. <laughs> i mean it's just that type of mindset we need to have going into all these games cuz each game is important and we can't have something like this happen um in the first quarter or in in any quarter we need to be consistent in how we do things and how we come out and the intensity needs to be high each and every quarter until that last to that last whistle is blown and that's really how all of us felt at the end of the game. We felt like we won, but we lost. You know, it's kind of like, man, they shouldn't have they they shouldn't have scored at all, or we should have kept scoring in the second half. What like why did this happen? So, um, yeah, we we got the win. It was an ugly win, like Coach D would say. But at the end of the day, learning lesson is keep going, keep pushing, finish the drill. And uh, we'll we'll be all right. We'll be fine. I think I think we everybody knows now that each game is important, and we can't have any slip ups like this. I'm glad this was the first game, and it happened like this the first game. So we know now how to go about things in these next these next games, especially going away too. So we need to be consistent in how we do things. Definitely, and you know that kind of does sound like a good thing. Obviously, you guys would have liked to. You know, put a little bit more on there and end up winning. You know, like thirty-five to three or something. Yeah. Like really, I mean, that's what the game was like. If yeah. you guys were to turn around and just have a rematch and play them again, say on, even on a neutral field uh, next week, I would fully expect the score to be something like that. Right, and that would help us in the end of the, at the end of the day because of how the scoring and the playoff system works. You know how how much you beat a person by. That would have helped us a lot because I don't know what they what it, what were they ranked like nineteenth or something nineteen yeah right. it would a uh, uh, top twenty five team and us beating them like that it would have helped us tremendously but hey you live and you learn and we got more people on the schedule that are in the top twenty five obviously so we just need to go about it like that yeah and I mean you know like like D'Antonio always says it's that W that matters you guys moved up to four and one. You guys moved up a couple spots in the rankings and, you know, beat what I, I think was probably at, at least the second hardest team remaining on your schedule. You know, Ohio State's been playing well as of late and you guys got them uh, a little bit down the road. So you got what you came there for, but also, you know, it sounds like you guys are hungry moving forward, a little, a little salty. A little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth because you let them back in the game. So, you know, sometimes those are big learning experiences. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you guys got one just without the loss attached to it, which is a great situation because you got one of the best coaching staffs in the country here, obviously some of the hardest working guys in the country here, and, and that kind of thing 
with the guys and the coaches you have coaching them, it's a situation that's going to get remedied. Um, so, you know, you guys got practice this week. I'm sure finishing drills and everything is going to be a strong emphasis. And, you know, you got Purdue on Saturday. And I, I don't want to speak too soon, but kind of feel a little bit bad for him because I'm sure you guys are going to be out there hungry, almost like you just got a loss, except you're rolling off of a third consecutive win instead. Um, so they're, they're going to have to come to play unless they want things to get out of hand quickly. Yeah, I just got word, too, that um, I'll, I'll get to travel to West Lafayette this weekend, so I'll get to compare Nice. I'll get to compare student sections and see what Purdue's working with. <laughs> Still but, in the uh, student section. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to talk about the game too. Um, I thought Michigan State was a better football team, and I think you guys outplayed them. One thing to to take into account is you guys have had big leads before, and you had a a medium sized lead against Nebraska. But once you got a medium sized lead against Jacksonville State, Eastern Michigan, or Wyoming. You had Tyler O'Connor and Damian Terry splitting snaps, and you had Delton Williams and Nick Hill, you know, splitting carries, and you had your second team defense in the game. So this was really the first time your first team offense, you know, had a big lead, and your first team defense was trying to maintain a big lead. So it's a little bit of a learning experience, and you know, a win is a win. I'm not sure how much the, you know, margin of victory is going to you know, take effect as far as bowl selection and all that goes. But they got the win, which I think I saw Dan Kilbridge in one of his articles. He said, if if I would have told you that Michigan State won the game 27-22 on Friday morning, you would have been probably happy with that result. Um, but not as happy having seen the game and seeing what could have been. Absolutely. And – you know, it, it kind of does remind me in, in multiple ways of the Oregon, you know, um, of the Oregon game, excuse me. And you brought it up, Dre. You said, you know, kind of let things slip away a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, but another thing is people that watch the game and people that actually know football, which the playoff selection committee, they know football, um, they see that the score was not indicative of the game in that Oregon game. And I think that's the same thing for Nebraska as well. Although you guys did come out with a win, People that watch the game, well, they might say, oh, you know, Michigan State kind of squeaked away at the end, but they utterly dominated Nebraska and every facet of the game, you know, passing, although Armstrong ended up having a little better passing numbers, at least yardage-wise, than Cook. He was struggling, you know, he had pressure on him all game was missing some receivers, some dropped passes, some good blanket coverage. Their run game was non-existent, which has paced their offense pretty much the last... Actually, I mean, their rush offense has paced their offense ever since I, I can remember, depending on no matter who the coach is, the staff, whatever. Um, you know, the, our run game did well. Our pass game did what it had to do. Um, other than that, punt and return for a touchdown and missed field goal. Special teams was good. That was, that was predicted by Eric Bertrand of the uh, Daily Nebraskan on this podcast. Yeah, you know, got to give him some props for that too. He did say that Pearson Elwood returned a punt for a touchdown. And I remember thinking that when he when he got some space. I was like, damn, Uh-oh. the kid was right. I, thought, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, he'll return a punt. 
you return a punt. Um, but, you know, the selection committee, they watch these games. They watch the games that um, are obviously, like, really important in terms of, of playoff implications. And they saw you guys just demolish one of the hotter teams in the country for, you know, about 48 minutes of the game, probably. And then, obviously, hold on for the victory, so... Yeah, and a close win, too. I mean, Andre, you can probably remember 2012. Uh, it might have been 2011 or 2012 when you guys lost five games by three points or less in all those close games. It's got to feel good to win a close game, mm-hmm. even if it shouldn't have been that close. And I think that's one thing that uh, we matured over the years. Uh, that year was a a real, really good learning experience for us. Um, and I don't think... You know, people people say we were we weren't that good that year, but in all actuality, we had the same people we had um, two years ago, last year and this year, and it's just a game of inches. The ball can roll either way, you know. And I just feel like 2012 was was the year that the ball just wasn't rolling in our favor, and I feel like that uh, that matured us. It humbled us. It you know, it we grew up that year and. Last year is a testament to that, and this year when we come when it comes down to it, you know, winning the close games, um, uh, one out of two so far the close games that we've had, fifty uh, percent, which is not that bad, but you know, I think learning from that year is was uh was really good for us, and we're gonna we're gonna need it come uh, coming uh, later on in the in the year when we play bigger teams like Michigan, Ohio State, and all these other teams, so. That was good. That was a good year for us. Well, hey, I mean, like we said multiple times, you know, came out with a win. That's what matters. Moving on to next week against Purdue, uh, going on the road. It's been uh, they haven't gone on the road since uh, playing Oregon, so that'll be a, a little different, different bit of scenery. Uh, and it's another week that has some big time matchups in the top ten. You know, especially in the SEC, you got Ole Miss. Playing um, Texas A&M, who just dropped out the top ten, but then you have you have Auburn playing Mississippi State, uh, TCU and Baylor, top ten matchup in the Big Twelve over there. So a lot of opportunity to to move up a little bit with teams taking some more losses, playing some tough teams. You know they can't both win the game, so so one of those teams in all three of those games is going to lose and drop a decent amount in the rankings, letting you guys move up there. So. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's another another week where you guys can continue to grow, uh, move forward, not just in the rankings and polls, but just as a program. And, you know, getting deeper into the Big Ten season. It's going to be an interesting one. Everyone says the Big Ten is down, but you know, there's some sleeper teams in there. Nebraska was better than people expected. Ohio State is back, it appears. Um, it seems like Northwestern. Is leading their division right now. They just beat Wisconsin last week. So it's a crazy game, like D'Antonio said. Football is a crazy game. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, you guys just got to take it week by week and do what you guys can do, right? Mm-hmm. But, hey, you guys got anything else for them? I mean, well, the student section, uh, I just want to say this. If you're going to be down with us, be down with us. You know what I'm saying? Stick, Stick it out. Uh, to the end, and you know nobody will say nothing. I know people 
you know, ask all these questions like, oh, why does it really matter? We're winning the game and all this other stuff. I hear people talk about it all the time. Um, y'all really don't know how much y'all mean to the program as far as uh, um, national, nationally being recognized and, you know, these recruits coming in and, you know, how much y'all y'all really affect the game. So if y'all could, could for us, the football team, if y'all could stay, you know, maybe to like one second in the fourth quarter, then you can leave. You know, then 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 you can leave. But if you just stay a little bit longer, that'd be good. I ain't I ain't complaining. Uh, I don't think anybody on the football team is complaining. We winning games, but you know, if y'all could just do that for us and in the program, that's probably all I got. Absolutely, man. There it is. He's asking nicely, everybody, and I'll say it not as nice nicely. Get to the game and stay at the game. You pay money for these tickets, or your parents do, or something. If you're not going to go to the game, sell your ticket. I'm sure someone would be happy to sit there. Just go. Sneak something in. <laughs> All right? Yeah, why don't yeah. you care about football? Like, people live for this. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, in the minority, but the point, like, you love to stay to the game to the end of the game, win or lose. That's the point, so you can say you were there. I don't think you have the right to say... You were at a game. If you left early, I it wasn't. This wasn't like, oh, there's five minutes left and it's a blowout, or oh, I'm trying to beat traffic, like, you know. But that that's all I'll say about the the student the student section. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see what you guys can do against Purdue and Indiana. I think if you come off those two road games with wins, um, it's going to be looking really good for Michigan State, and I think uh, people will be turned as far as their thoughts on the team and. Uh, it's going to be a interesting two months for sure. Definitely. And, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that note. Uh, hopefully they show up more against Michigan. Um, and best of luck to you guys going up next week, going to going to Purdue for your second Big Ten game of the season. So that's all we got for the last episode, the latest episode, I should say, of Spartan Red Zone. Take it easy, East Lansing. <laughs>